0: Hello everyone, this week's episode of the Berman Hour podcast is proudly sponsored by New Wave and Flow State Coffee. Get 10% off of what will soon become your new favorite coffee by going to newwave.co slash Berman, N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. One more time, N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. It's coffee that's blended with Rocky Cow, that's blended with L-theanine, which is an amino acid that naturally reduces stress and anxiety. And when you drink this coffee, it is designed and engineered to put your brain into a flow state, an optimal performance mode where you stay focused on the task at hand without the shakes and jitters that often accompany too much caffeine. And if you're like me and you're caffeine susceptible or if you have too much caffeine, you think you're going to die, this stuff is for you. Newwave.co slash Berman. We're so happy to have them as a sponsor on the Berman Hour podcast. It's excellent. They help us out. If you order through that link, newwave.co slash Berman, we get a little bit of a kickback for production costs. They sell you a great coffee, and you're going to feel great when you drink this stuff. Newwave.co slash Berman. All right, let's get it. Welcome to the Berman Hour Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. Thanks so much for tuning in. My guest this week is a new friend of mine, Andrew Wright, who is a bass player of the Toronto area hardcore band, Choices Made. He's also an artist and also a tattoo artist, so it was great to get to know him. Interesting life story. Grew up in South Africa, discovered underground music and punk and hardcore in South Africa, made his way to California, and now resides in Toronto, Canada. Great guy, and choices made. Their new record is fantastic. It's very quick. I mean, you can listen to it from, you know, when you leave your house while you're walking to your car, and chances are by the time you get to your car, the record is passed. But it is a hardcore record that I much needed at this point in time. Andrew and I talk a little bit about Madball. Uh, It's positive because we both like that band a lot. But something I wanted to touch upon here in the intro is the massive shows that they played and the massive shows that are starting to happen. And I just kind of presented the idea to people of I'm not in a perspective or in a position to say what is unsafe or what is not unsafe. I just would say that if I walked up to that show that Madball played in Tompkins Square Park, I probably would have left. And I love Madball. What's interesting, though, is the response that I got when I poised that on some of my social media accounts was mostly positive, and even if people disagreed with me, I have friends that I love that disagreed with me, and that's completely okay, but the way that the bands and the promoter handled it, I thought was bullshit, so I'm calling bullshit, and I think that it is incredibly insulting that bands play that show and then come out of it with entirely negativity. They want to call it PMA. It's not. It's fucking bullying. They want to call it positive. They want to put a spin on it. Sure, whatever. Go fuck yourselves. At this point, if I'm looking at a hardcore band dude's Instagram account and he's going to call me a biatch or a libtard, I might as well be looking at something that Donald Trump is posting. So anybody that wants to go to those shows... That's your prerogative. I hope that you stay safe. Anybody that wants to listen to Madball Records, I'll join you. That's fantastic. I love that band. Anybody from those bands that wants to take what I say out of context and say that I'm a bitch or a pussy or a libtard, it just makes your band sound disingenuous. It makes you sound so stupid. And it makes you sound like a Trumpian. And it's as if this pervasive macho old school hardcore mentality prohibits people from understanding that there actually is a need for a healthy cordial debate around the safety of people at punk and hardcore shows not just the people who go but the bands the security the vendors everybody but i got the sense that the people involved in putting on these shows are more concerned with showcasing how tough they are than with showcasing how safe they can actually make these events. So with that, I got to run because I think someone's going to come try to beat me up. Anyway, this was a great conversation with Andrew Wright from Choices Made about being cool and hardcore and writing songs that try to evoke positivity and optimism without being cheesy and without being dumb. So enjoy this interview and be sure to check out Choices Made. All right, let's get at it. welcome you
1: know (laughs) yeah you know as good as one can uh, be doing in the these weird crazy times right
0: yeah yeah what has your last 13 months been like (laughs) which is a loaded question (laughs) this
1: this 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 office that i've been stuck in for 13 months yeah you know what it hasn't been too bad uh you know i mean i could complain but really uh you know, I, I've been lucky enough to get still get a little bit of work coming in, um, so that's at least kept me kept me afloat. But I think just the just the idea of being because I, I mean I live alone, so it's you know thirteen months of really not seeing too many people. You know, when it, whenever the government allows it, takes the lockdown down. You know, then at least we we get to sort of jam, yeah, you know, the guys. But other than that, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not ideal. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. H- have you and your bandmates been good throughout the year? Has any, anybody gotten sick or anything like that? Or is oh yeah. Yeah. Scared? Yeah. No, no. Luckily I think like I said my,
1: myself, you know, I'm able to work from home. Um, and I think it was just, it was just Steve, the guitarist, he had to, he, he carried on going into work, but the rest of us were able to work from home. But yeah, oh, yes. I think we, we've been lucky touch wood.
0: Yeah. And, and where are you at the moment? Are you in Toronto or are you yeah. somewhere else? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you're from South Africa. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's right. Yeah. I read that about you and now I obviously hear it in yeah. your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, at what point did you come to North America?
1: Um, well, I've been, I've been in Canada now for probably just around about 10 years and before that, I was in San Diego for about two, two and a half, three years. Okay. And then, yeah, obviously before that, it was South Africa.
0: Yeah. I live in Pennsylvania now, but I was in Los Angeles for 12 years. Oh, and, okay. You know, I loved living in Los Angeles. I loved Southern California. Did you enjoy living out there?
1: Oh, man. Like, to be honest with you, no place has ever felt like home like San Diego has. Everything about San Diego was perfect. the The people, the weather the lifestyle, it just, it felt so good to, you know, to, to be living there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Toronto as well. Like Toronto is my home now, but um, you know, if I, if I had the chance I'd probably move back to, to San Diego.
0: Yeah. What brought you to Toronto?
1: All my relatives on my dad's side, they all live uh in, around Canada. So I'd been here as a young kid with my parents on vacation. And then I came over here in 98 uh, Myself uh, for a couple of months, and I just fell in love with with Toronto itself. And at that stage, I don't think I'd travelled anywhere else. So all I had to compare Canada was with was South Africa, and Toronto was just this this amazing, clean place. Everyone was so friendly. The punk scene was amazing. The skate scene was amazing, and everyone just seemed to be so uh, accepting of uh, whatever culture you were in. So. I decided then once I got back after 98, well, I spent a year in London, England after that. But then when I got back, I decided to apply to for you know to, to move over here. It, uh, yeah. it took them seven and a half years to get through my application, but
0: uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm is now here. So. Yeah, Toronto's a special place. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, it's got, it's it's got an intangible it. special quality to it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that I love about it, but there are a lot of things that I hate about it as well. But you know, again, when I compare it to South Africa, I am so happy and lucky that I'm that I'm living here.
0: Why Why do you say that? I, I'm really curious because I know very little about South Africa or what it's like to live there. I'm really curious.
1: I mean, my my perspective has changed a little bit now that I've I, I've been here for so long. But like originally. The, the things that b- bothered me about South Africa was, well, one mainly the crime. The crime was just totally out of hand. but then there wasn't much of a punk scene, there wasn't much of a skate scene. there wasn't much of like a hot rod chopper scene. All the things that I, that I was into didn't really exist. Um, so all I wanted to do was just get out and I wanted to you know be able to see all the bands that I'd you know grown up listening to and I wanted to be able to play in a band here. Um, so it was all, you know, uh, that, and like I said, and, and maybe the crime, like I had been very lucky. I mean, I'd been a victim of certain crimes. Like when I was still living with my folks, we had our entire house uh, robbed while we uh-huh. were out. Um, but that was that was minor. Like that was lucky compared to the rest of my friends who had all been through some crazy shit. And I was just like, well, my card is going to get called at some stage and I'm going to be another one of those victims. And I just, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to get out as soon as I can. So, you know.
0: Yeah. South Africa kind of has that notoriety or that, that infamy. Um, Yeah. I understand this is a very loaded question, but (laughs) what is the, what is the driving force behind such a, uh, such a high crime rate there?
1: Oh, it's, it's poverty. Uh, Yeah. Straight up poverty. I mean, you have, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but, you know, you've probably got 60, 70 percent of the population living under the poverty line. Not that it's an excuse, but, you know, they're, they're, they're going to do what they need to do to, you know, feed their families and, uh, and stay alive. And unfortunately, it's just gotten to that point where a life means nothing over there. If they can, if they can get your cell phone or if they can get, you know, $30 off you. They got, they'll have no problem, you know, shooting you. I, is it I, the I,
0: same in the towns as it is in the major cities?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously certain areas are going to be a little worse than, than others, but, I mean, you know, I was pretty lucky. I, I grew up in a middle-class suburb, I guess, but, I mean, every every house has a massive black gate uh, around it, you know, either an electric fence or some sort of uh, gate to try and keep People out, and you you learn when you you know when you're in your vehicle when you pull up to a traffic light, you are constantly, especially at night, you're constantly looking over your shoulder to make sure no one's approaching your vehicle. Um, wow! So it's just you're in a constant state of awareness, you know, which is what I loved about coming here. I was like, man, I can I don't have to worry about things like that now. If I do accidentally forget to lock my front door, I know it's going to be fine. You know, whereas back mm-hmm. home, you only have to give it 10, 15 minutes and someone will be have broken in.
0: Right. I, I understand that putting you in the position to have to answer such a loaded question is is quite difficult. Oh, yeah. so no, I do I don't but at the same
1: time, though, I also don't want to, I, I don't want to make South Africa sound like, like the hellhole that I have just made it sound like. Right. It's, it's, it's a beautiful country with amazing people. And I always say to people when, you know, when I have that conversation, if you have the, the chance to go to South Africa for a vacation by all you have to do it, especially Cape town. Like it's just such a beautiful country and the majority of people are friendly. Like, like it, it, You're going to have a great time. I don't want to stop, stop anyone from ever going, growing up in that way. It's just, you know, it, it just always puts me in that uh, weird state.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When you were talking about how, you were unfulfilled with the lack of skate scene and punk scene there. Was there good accessibility to that kind of stuff, but there just wasn't the community built around it and there wasn't the subculture built around it?
1: Well, you see, that's what I was going to say. Like, my perspective has changed now because now when I look back at it, I'm actually very grateful that I grew up in South Africa because nothing was handed to us. Like, punk music wasn't, like, you just didn't... In those days, we had a a British uh, disc jockey that played on the radio Sunday night at like 10 in the evening. And he would play songs like Exploited, Sex Pistols. That was our introduction to punk. And then somewhere along the line, a a dubbed cassette that got duplicated a million times got passed around. And I think it had Operation Ivy, maybe a very early Bad Religion. Um, and I can't think what the, else, what the other band was. But it was pretty difficult to to be introduced to those, those kind of at least American sort of punk bands. Right. And slowly, but surely, you know, we'd start getting like Thrasher magazines. So you'd start finding out about bands like that. But the reason why I look back at it now and and with, uh, with fondness is that I realize now that we had to, we had to do everything ourselves, which is funny because I guess every, every town, especially small towns in America, Canada, no matter where you are is the same way. We, we had to do things ourselves so we had our own bands mm-hmm. we put on our own shows and we built it up like that and if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have had the knowledge knowledge that i have now on you know putting on a show or putting out an album or you know, or or putting on an event or anything like that so yeah
0: without the without the need to have to create it yourself sometimes there's a complacency and people take exactly. it for granted yeah Exactly. I mean, it, it
1: really, like I said, it really didn't exist much then. I, I know there were a bunch of punk bands before my time that were more, they were all living down on the coast, which, so I never got introduced to them. We didn't have internet in those days. So yeah. it was impossible to know. So it was only once we started reading Thrasher mags and, you know, discovering some of these bands that we then started playing you know creating our own bands and creating our own scene and it it became something that I'm super stoked about you know like it was just I mean the rest of the world probably don't give two shits or know any of the bands but for us that were living through it it was it was amazing
0: yeah because it was like flesh and blood that was close to home right exactly yeah yeah what are some of the bands once you kind of got past that you know, you climbed in the window, so to speak. And now you're at a in a position where you can discover bands on your own and you can set aside the ones that, that don't really do much for you. What were some of the bands that you really gravitated to and clung on to from that early time?
1: Well, I mean, it was definitely the early British, like I said, exploited Sex Pistols. But it was when, um, it was when like, the real early days of Fat Records, like when those first couple of albums that came out on fat records. Um, and actually maybe even before that, I remember a compilation punk uprising. I think it was called and it had a, it it was like an illustration of a uh, punk taking a piss in the snow. And I think it said punk uprising. and It was done. I think it was put out by
0: some New York label. I think it was Um, go-kart records. If I remember correctly.
1: Yes. Yes. You could be right. I remember meeting or, uh, uh, Meeting the girl that had something to do with it, and uh, we, we became good friends anyway. Uh, I guess those sort of bands, but the early fat bands, so it would have been you know, no effects, and, and the early epitaph bands as well, um, face to face, and you know,
0: yeah, uh, or
1: all that good stuff. That would have been the I remember we had a record store there that started to bring in a couple of fat record uh, albums, and I just remember you know, opening it up. The sleeve, seeing all the bands thanked, and then going back into the record store and saying, "Can you get this band, this band, and this band? Because Coden thanked them, so they must be yeah. pretty good." Yeah, you know? <laughs> and uh, know, that's how we, we go. Thank you, listeners.
0: Thank you, listeners. Important, man. You know, so good, so, so good. Which, is, which kind of sucks that you don't. I
1: mean, again, now I'm going to sound like an old man, but it does suck with the digital age that you don't. I love the fact that it's easy to discover bands now, but that way of discovering bands was, was such a an awesome experience.
0: Yeah. I don't think it exists in the same manner anymore. No. Now it's more of if they're kind of in the same algorithm or on the same playlist of sorts. Yeah. Did you mess with any sort of mail order or anything? Was that a, a, a thing where you were able to order records to South Africa?
1: Um, well, I remember this might have been before I sort of, Got introduced to punk, but I remember uh, subscribing to some record club where you'd pay a certain amount and then they'd send you seven or eight records, but you had no idea what they were. It was just like a like a bargain bin. And I remember getting like a whole lot of some of it was real crap, and then uh, it was a band that was like Guns and Roses, La La Guns.
0: Yeah. And, uh, uh,
1: so I remember that. <laughs> I remember having that record, but after that. No, it got to a point where I I started up a, a record label there where we were putting out local punk and hardcore bands. Oh wow. And so I would and of course I had a zine going as well. so I would send that zine to Fat Records and Asian Man records and all those all the labels in the states and they would send me CDs to review in the Zine. So I kind of got introduced to a lot of music that way as well, which was great.
0: That's really awesome. What was the name of the zine? Man,
1: well, the record label was cro- was called Croak Room Records, and I think I just had the zine the same name. Croak Room.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a stupid name, but. <laughs>
0: I, I stuck with it, and, and you're talking now. to the dude who's in a band called Divided Heaven. And I spent <laughs> I spent half of my energy convincing people that I'm actually not a Christian artist, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, i I get the whole you know being stuck with a dumb name for sure. But yeah. you're you're quite a talented artist. We're we're gonna talk about that in a little bit more detail later. But I'm kind of curious did it did the the love for for underground music and punk rock and kind of your artistic eye and aesthetic happened at the same time or did one kind of happen before the other
1: i'm gonna say the same time and i'm gonna and i'm gonna say it was probably like thrasher magazine like that was probably what did it all it had yeah that's where i discovered artists like pushead and uh dirty donny uh that's where i discovered bands like bad religion and hell i think that's how i discovered nirvana was through the thrasher magazine so uh yeah I owe everything to to Thrasher magazine, I think, and then of course that that UK disc jockey that was you know playing punk music as well. It's uh, you know we would literally sit up and listen to him every night. Um, so yeah, but Thrasher magazine would have been it's skateboarding, yeah,
0: yeah. The art that you do kind of has that aesthetic, so that makes sense. Like it, yeah. it looks very California, very Southern California specific. A lot of influence from skate culture a lot of influence from punk rock and did you kind of start in one medium and then kind of branch out because now you're, you're a tattoo apprentice and you're kind of it, it from, from an outside perspective, it looks like you're kind of delightfully all over the place with what you're doing artistically. Was that kind of always the intention or are you always kind of looking for something else that, that, that tickles that part of your uh, artistic imagination?
1: Um no, you know what, I, th- I think I've been doing that sort of style of, of illustration. I, I actually, uh, <laughs> I mean, I studied graphic design at university, but and I actually failed my illustration course. <laughs> and I was convinced, I, I just didn't, I hated drawing. I hated doing any sort of illustration work. So I was convinced that I wasn't an, an illustrator. Um, but then when I started playing in the band and we started doing posters, I started loving the idea of, doing my own, you know, doing my own posters and posters for the other bands on the label. So I started illustrating and it just sort of started to get better and people kind of liked what they saw, so I kept on doing it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've stuck with that same style of illustration for a long time. Uh, the tattoo thing, I've, I think for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to do, uh, I've always wanted to be a tattoo artist and uh, I used to hang out at, at the tattoo shop that used to do Tattoo myself and 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 sponsor the band that I was in at the time. I was there every weekend, pretty much, and uh, I wanted. They offered me an apprenticeship then, but I didn't take it because I just moved moved out of you know my folks' place, and I was struggling just to pay the bills. And there was no way I was going to be able to do like a two year apprenticeship, not make any money. It was quite a far way to drive every day, so I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have many regrets, but that's one regret in my life that I do have. Um, but then, you know, now, like a couple of years back, I had the opportunity to uh, to take on an apprenticeship, and everything just seemed to, uh, you know, the cards fell in the right way. So I was, um, yeah, so I started uh, the, the, the tattooing thing now. So that's was been a lot of fun.
0: Has it been a natural transition for you? Because I I know that it can be quite difficult. It can be quite different.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's natural. It's definitely. It's definitely not easy, but I'm definitely an old dog that doesn't like to learn anything new. Um, So, but what I find funny with tattooing is that I'm totally excited about it now. Like, I I hated history of art at, at university, but I am so enthralled in the history of of tattooing that I can't get enough of. I just go, I just keep going back and back as far back as I can to discover anything I can about tattooing. So I've got a new, I've definitely got a, 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 a new passion for this new art form. I, it's definitely, be, it's definitely been difficult, but um, I feel like I'm progressing at, at least, you know, every now and then. Thankfully, the, guy, the guys in the band are letting me tattoo them quite often. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting enough practice.
0: <laughs> it's like, who wants a Choices Made tattoo, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah bring do it on. for free, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are are you doing things, uh, kind of taking on projects that you choose to, because you're kind of apprenticing at a pace that's, uh, you know, it's it's not going to be necessarily your main thing, right? So you don't have to necessarily go at it with the same zeal that that somebody who's younger and, and wants to be a full-time tattoo artist might have to. So are you able to kind of pick and choose what you want to work on and what you want to study? Or is it really kind of an all-hands-on-deck sort of situation for you?
1: Um. Well, I mean, it, uh, this whole pandemic hasn't uh, hasn't helped. Yes, like, sort of, as yes. I was as I was starting to get going, then you know, then the pandemic kind of kicked in and uh, it kind of put a stop to that. So, you know, the shops been able to open up for a couple of months and then were closed for a couple of months. So, I I would like to do it full on. I, you know, I'm lucky that I can still come home at night and and do my freelance work. Uh, you know, so I I can. I can balance it. It's, it's a difficult balance, but I can, I can balance it. But you know, if I, if I had my way, I am very old school and I would, I still want to do my apprenticeship in an old school manner. Whereas in I want to be thrown in the deep end and do anything and everything that is thrown at me. Um, Cause I could I, that can only make me a better artist. Yeah. Um, but I do have my specific style of what I, you know, I do have a specific style that I enjoy doing and I would much rather just do that, but I like to, you know, I like to be thrown in and, and have to do things that I'm not comfortable with because back in the, you know, it makes you a better artist back in the day. That's was, that's how things were done.
0: Yeah. I guess in a certain point too, it's, it is customer service, so well, you, you know, exactly. you have to do what they want anyway, regardless of how you feel about what, yeah, the, what yeah. someone brings to you.
1: Yeah, I mean I do I do the one thing that does bug me is I do feel that and maybe it's just a, a lack of knowledge, but I do feel like clients should do their research and find someone if they want a specific style of tattoo, find someone that does it really well. You know, it's not that I, you know, I don't want to turn anyone away here and 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 not be able to progress or be able to make some money, but at the end of the day, I do think you should find someone that does really well in the style that you want and get them to do it. I mean, I, I totally appreciate people coming to me and getting tattoos by me. And I've had clients come back several times and I, and I love that. Um, uh, but, you know, I think, I think clients just need to, it would, it would make, I think it would make everyone's life easier would make the artist's life easier. Cause you're going to be doing what you want to do, what you're known for. And the client is also going to get something that's going to be a hundred percent, perfect because you found the guy that does the style that you want right but some people do not like it some people just i want a tattoo of this and they don't care who's doing it like can, i can understand that as well so
0: right so this is really kind of more of a culmination of of your artistic path up until this point right yeah yeah I yeah that's, so. that's yeah. really quite that's really quite great may i ask how how old are you uh Four. I
1: turned. I turned forty six on. s I turned forty six on Saturday last Saturday. Yeah.
0: Oh well, happy belated birthday! Thank you very much. Yeah, and wh- when was the first time you 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 stuck the needle in somebody? What was the, well, how old were you the first time you did that? Oh, it wasn't long ago. It was like
1: two two years ago, maybe. That's great. Yeah, yeah
0: that's fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. It doesn't make sense. No, no one at my age. Should be starting something like tattooing.
0: No, but th- yeah. that's 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 great, Andrew. I I think that's really interesting, and and that's fucking cool.
1: You yeah. Oh, and that was the one thing that put me off doing it. Right? Was every time I thought about it, I was like, man, yeah, you're in your mid forties. That's just so stupid to start learning something like that. It's not a good idea. But you know, I took it, and I'm glad I did take it. You know, it's uh, you know, it's 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 definitely improve my my life just creatively a hell of a lot
0: yeah what are you working on kind of day to day i mean covid notwithstanding what what kind of artwork and what kind of work are you doing otherwise
1: um yeah I'm either, i mean i do a lot of like uh t-shirt designs so i'll either have bands or or companies uh, asking me to do a, a t-shirt design and then obviously uh, you know, uh, vinyl packaging or CD packaging. Sure. Yeah. like that. I've had a couple of bands ask me to do sort of like social media ads, uh, you know, sort of like little video work and, and whatnot, but, um, it's mainly a lot of, uh, illustration stuff. So, so, so posters, logo, logo design. Yeah. What am I? Oh. And then I, I also, I also work for a, a horror magazine. So I, 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 oh, I don't work for them. They hire me to to lay out their um their magazine every two months. And then I do some uh I do some work for a shoe company. We actually just I just finished doing a whole bunch of uh um a Misfits collaboration.
0: No way. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. So Oh, can you talk a little yeah, bit more about that or is that is that need to be Hush, hush. Um, no, no, sorry, I,
1: I, I took a little bit, a second there to think about it, but but they have advertised that they are doing. They haven't they haven't shown of the shoes yet, but they have advertised that they're doing it. So I guess I can speak about it. Um, I mean, it's something, it's something majorly exciting. I mean, it's rad to be able to work. I'm not working directly with the Misfits, but the company that's putting the shoes out, I work with them, and they uh, you know they tell me what they want, send me all the uh, the, the, art, the the Misfits company sends me all the artwork and it's my job to place them on the shoes and so yeah so that should be uh, pretty exciting when that comes out
0: yeah that's awesome that's like a full circle moment you know because presumably they were one of the first bands that you kind of discovered you know as they are kind of for for pretty much everybody
1: oh absolutely Yeah.
0: yeah i was gonna say let's talk about the new choices made record yeah right so it's coming out may 14th reason for conflict and do you have a hand in, in kind of the songwriting or the lyrics? Or are you just the bass guy?
1: Uh, most of the time, Steve will, uh, he comes up with the majority of the riffs. Yeah, I know the one, I know the one song, um, Greed. I came up with that, uh, with that song. But the general idea is Steve or I will sort of send the band, the riffs. And between Steve and I, uh, Steve plays the guitar. We'll, we'll kind of work out, uh, a a slight structure to the song and then we'll send it to to josh josh will normally start to work on some lyrics and then we'll we'll head into the studio by that time we all have a rough idea of how the song goes roughly you know verse chorus and josh will have a a basic idea of of lyrics and and and, uh, vocal melody and then we'll just hash it out in the studio where we'll you know where where the real sort of Magic happens and things get changed. Yeah, and it starts to to you know it it brings it it has its energy uh, come to life. Uh, but Josh, we we let Josh do all the lyrics. He, I mean, I'm not, I'd be useless at writing lyrics, but uh, Josh does an amazing job. So we kind of leave him to that. Um, and then Josh, you know, and Josh will also have a, a say in the. You know, he, he's he's a, he's a great musician as well. So he'll he'll have his input as well.
0: Yeah, you guys have had a string of EPs and I mean, we call them EPs kind of in the digital form, but you know, they're not full length records. And this next record that's coming up, I believe is is six songs and you really kind of work hard at at making everything brief and uh, intense and impactful. Was playing that brand of hardcore something that you all kind of gravitated to or was it more of a conscientious decision to to do something like that where it's you know kind of the posi chord like st- straight to the point with the, that little bit of old school flair
1: yeah i mean i, I don't know if it, it's never been it's never been anything that's been discussed uh uh where i mean steve started the band and he, he him and the original drummer put out an ad looking for a bass player and the 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 names of the bands that Steve mentioned in the ad were bands that I was really excited about. So, you know, I joined that way. And then Josh came a bit later, who's way more of a, he's more like a fat records uh, punker guy than than hardcore. When we tried him out, it, was, it just seemed to fit perfectly. And I think with the combination of all our influences, it's now just turned into what it is. And the fact that Steve and I are a little bit older, so you know, we we grew up with that sick of it all and uh, the, the sort of New York hardcore. And then we've got Josh, who's got the more California punk, and myself. So it just gets that nice, uh, nice mix. But yeah, the 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 EPs and the singles we've put out have been pretty short and punchy, especially nowadays. I feel like the attention span of people is so right? short. Yeah. That. It's... And I think as well for us, it was just like. Being, being a band that nobody really knows about, I just didn't see any point in us putting out a 15-song album. Let's rather yeah. just put out three songs and then, you know, throughout last year, we were putting out, you know, one single every two months mm-hmm. just to keep things interesting and uh, stay in the forefront.
0: Yeah. it's I noticed that and it seemed, from an outside perspective, it seemed deliberate but with this new record, it feels like it's a little bit more of a punctuation point. It's certainly not a full length by any stretch, yeah. but it's longer than any other release, if I if I have that correct. And it just feels a little bit more like it's meant to kind of, even though it's not that much longer. <laughs> you know, yeah. your, your songs are usually, between one and two minutes. They're hardcore songs, you know, but it, yeah. it seems to have a little bit more of uh, that dramatic effect to it. And, and to your point, something I wrote in my notes, it kind of reminded me of, of old school New York hardcore, but, you know, recorded, you know, with modern recording. So it sounds brilliant and it's bright and it's it's got a great attack to it. But it's that New York hardcore, almost with the Bronx type vibe to it. He's got a little bit of melody to it. It's not just kind of straightforward gruff. It's not straightforward kind of hardcore stuff. And I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. And, and I know now that you're not the lyricist. But if if you don't mind, uh, and just indulge me for a moment. I'm curious. the The lyrics aren't overtly positive, you know, they're not overtly posy, but they're also not tough guy bullshit. Like they seem to strike a good balance of reality and of uh, of a positive message that is very much rooted in what people could have been going through in the pandemic, or people could be going yeah. through in a financial crisis. I mean, it's really simple, like, you know, telling people to encouraging them not to be greedy and not to be ignorant. Do you consider that Choices Made is a hardcore band that is meant to have kind of a greater world view? Is that something that you guys collectively think about?
1: Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I think... It's weird because when I do listen when I you know when I've actually realize what Josh is singing there there are there are a couple of songs where I'm like fuck man like that is that's exactly the kind of music that I want to hear it you know it stokes me up to you know yeah. to get up and, and and go through another day you know um, I think we are we are trying to do especially with the last year and a half two years we're definitely trying to you know put a point across you know, the same old point that I feel like a lot of people are trying to put across: just be positive and respect other people, and uh, you know, do the right thing. Um, uh, but we don't. I don't want it to become. I don't want it to. We don't want it to come across too preachy yeah. either. Which I think a lot of the the hardcore bands, which I which I love, but I think you know it's what a lot of the hardcore bands do is it, it's it's real loud, aggressive. Air, and in your face. Um, and I, and I always say, like, I always kind of feel like choices made where we're too hardcore for punk, but we're too punk for hardcore. <laughs> and it's like, I, I hate that, but it, it's exactly what it is. You know, Josh is, Josh isn't, he, like you said, he, he has melody, which, which is what I love is that he's still, it's still loud and it's still growly, but it's definitely got melody and you can kind of hear what he's saying. Um, and it's just, for me, it's just a good mix of that New York hardcore with California punk. Um, like I said, that's what we're all into and it comes across nicely.
0: I think you guys have struck a good balance because, let me just throw it out there, there's, there's a lot of, of hardcore bands today that I think are still singing about the exact same things they were singing about, you know, bullshit that was happening on the Lower East Side in, you know, the mid-80s. And, you know, after a certain number of records, I'm just kind of like, yeah, like, cool you know like give me just a little bit of optimism give me something and yeah uh, it's that's a a tough one because i i do
1: i do still i like those bands that are still putting out that maybe it's a nostalgic thing right like even even though you're putting out a new album and you're still singing about things that you were singing about 10 15 20 years ago i don't i don't mind it i i I kind of i kind of enjoy it but I, i i do see what you're saying i do think and, I, and I, I'm hoping that choices made were at least relevant for the times, or at least you can personally relate to it.
0: Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not putting words in your mouth. I mean, as a as somebody, like I was thinking about it, and there was a lot of controversy with Madball this past weekend because of a show they played, and oh, I yeah. think, and I was I saw the footage, and it made me uncomfortable, and I it seemed like it was unsafe, and then I someone asked me about Madball and I was like you know I don't I said to them I don't really like Madball I love Madball I listen to them every fucking day and they're like really and I'm like yeah it's just one of those bands that that I sunk my teeth into when I was young same with Agnostic Front but I find that when I listen to whatever they are doing new like their their new records always sound good but it makes me want to kind of go back into the old material whereas with Sick of It All, I think they have very subtle ways of kind of reinventing themselves with every record that makes it fresh. And I can be satiated with a new Sick of It All record in a way that doesn't make me have to go back to scratch the surface or built to last to like get the fix. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't doesn't seem like a half measure, whereas some of those other bands and hopefully, you know, whatever, DMS doesn't track me down and kill me for saying this. I just don't think their new material makes me want to, uh, it doesn't satiate me in the same way. And, uh, and you know, I think that part of that reason is because Lou, uh, and everybody in sick of it all, like their lyrics are incredibly good. And Mm. I think that kind of sets them head and shoulders above the rest.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because I think the majority of people would agree with what you said, especially about, uh, Madball. I, I'm quite the opposite. I, I, although I, I'm not a hundred percent blown away by Madball's latest album, um just because you know um uh, tim armstrong had, had a heavy hand in this and you can hear it in in that album but it's a little weird al-
0: it's a little weird yes.
1: it's a little weird It's a little weird. but at the same time I, i'm not going to say it's a bad album but no the two albums before that i thought like hardcore lives and yes. uh, uh was it empire i think whatever those two albums were before the the latest one i thought they were their best records i was blown away by those two records i thought they were amazing so it's but i do agree with what you're saying about like sick of it all like you know the new one they also weren't taking themselves too seriously on 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 that new sick of it all album either yeah which i which i (laughs) kind of enjoyed
0: (laughs) yeah there i always i I always whenever i read or, or hear an interview with them on a podcast they always say that other bands kind of poke fun at them they're like yeah you know like we broke up for a few years and then when we come back through town, it's a big deal because it's a reunion tour. But so you guys sick of it all. You never broke up. So it's like, the yeah. shows aren't as big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you know if Josh wrote some of the lyrics for this new record during this past year or were these songs that you guys had are you know previously fleshed out before you went into quarantine? I think, yeah, the
1: majority, maybe. I mean, okay, so this... There's really only four songs on the on the seven inch, and then uh, the digital download has the extra two songs. And the extra two songs are actually uh, singles that we've previously just released on on Spotify, but you've never been able to download them. That was Side
0: Roads and and What's Your Plan? Yeah. Those were the singles. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but I think, with the exception of Greed, the other three songs I do recall us playing them live once or twice. So I think those songs were were pretty much written before the pandemic started. But it was it, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was listening to it the other day I'm like, man, this just this literally sounds like it was written in the middle of 2020. It just it was it was just such perfect timing, but they were yeah, those lyrics were definitely written early uh 2020 if not late 2019.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not as if the time frame of late 2019, early 2020 versus now, you know, a lyric yeah. like be a decent fucking human being that, you know, it's applicable to both, both time frames, <laughs> exactly. I would say, I would yeah. say, well, that's great, man. I'm, I'm really happy for, for choices made. I think this is a great record and I, I, uh, I hope this brings a lot of eyes to you guys because, uh, like I said, it's, it's posy without being preachy. It's old school without being dumb like some of the old school hard work and sometimes be let's yeah. gall a spade a spade it can sometimes be dumb and uh so i think you guys have struck a really cool balance where it's, it's smart it's positive and it's fun you know well, I, appreciate I appreciate that it. thank you very much yeah Remember. yeah yeah well thanks for coming on the podcast man i appreciate it very much
1: jeff thank you man it was awesome
0: And there you have it, my conversation with Andrew Wright from Choices Made, great, newish Toronto-area hardcore bands. Be sure to check them out. Thank you again to our sponsors at New Wave and Flow State Coffee. Newwave.co slash Berman gets you 10% off your order. And with that, I'll see everyone next week. Thanks so much for checking out the Berman Hour podcast. Peace.